Welcome, dear listener, and thank you for joining me for this special Halloween edition of Dead Hand Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Hall. What we're about to embark on throughout these coming days leading up to Halloween is a series of interviews with people from all walks of life who've experienced some of the most harrowing, spine-chilling tales you've ever heard. We're talking ghost stories, haunted buildings, cursed lands, myths, legends, and lore, the likes of which many have never heard before. Some of my guests are new, most are returning visitors of the show, and have agreed to share with us, in some cases for the first time ever, their personal experiences of unexplained and hair-raising stories from beyond the veil. Consider this your final warning. Those who choose to proceed may have their sanity challenged, question reality, or lose their mind with fear from these tales of the unknown and unexplained. And now, the Dead Hand Radio Halloween Special. Hey everyone, it's Heather from Exploration Project, and you are listening to Dead Hand Radio. Hey, Heather, welcome back to Dead Hand Radio. Thanks for joining me for this Halloween special edition of the podcast. Thanks for having me. It should be fun. How have you been since we last talked? It's only been a couple months, but uh, I've seen a lot of changes going on with your channel and stuff. What, what's, uh, what's been happening with you? Well, I went back to college. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. At, uh, well, I'm turning 43. So <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's going really well, though. I'm really enjoying it. Um, but I'm, I'm quite tired. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Are, are you taking full, a uh, full load of classes? Yeah. Yeah. So it's six classes and it's, I have to commute. So I'm commuting two hours a day, which is quite a bit, four days a week. So. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so you're doing that in lieu of working, right? You don't have a, a job that you have to go to. 40 hours a week right now is that correct? oh god no no i just work once a week so i work about i don't know five hours a week or so so it's not arduous from that perspective at all that's great it's just kind of getting back in the swing of things right like i haven't been to school since i graduated in 2003 was my last degree <laughs> so yeah it's it's been quite some time uh has it interfered with your hiking yes oh, that's a <laughs> It's very rude. <laughs> uh, what's the, um, the focus of study? I am doing environmental management. Oh, that, yeah, I did see a, a post about that. That's right. Yes. So I'm learning a lot about the environment, but I'm not in the environment as much. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're trying to combine the two worlds, the, the passion that you have for being out there and then potentially putting it to... Um, in some way, uh, earning an income for yourself, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Smart move. Excellent. And it's, 
it's amazing that you have a supportive spouse uh, who's, you know, who actually has a good enough job to be able to um, maintain the, the household while you're doing that. So hats off to you guys. Absolutely. He's, he's wonderful. And uh, he went back to school when I was working. So it's kind of a funny role reversal, like 17 years later. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> yeah. I've, I, you know, I've never even met him. I've only seen, I think one or two photos of him online. Cause you kind of keep that stuff private, which is cool. Understandable. But from what you've shared with him, he sounds like a really decent person. He is. He's very kind. Yeah, he seems to be. Um, he's a little shy, though, which is why I don't share too much about him. He's like, what are you doing putting that on? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I get it. I, I try and respect his boundaries. <laughs> uh, so this being the Halloween special, um, I, I put the invite out to all my previous guests, and I wanted to give uh give those guests an opportunity to come on and share their spooky stories um <laughs> yeah and, and but i'm also you know interested in hearing myths and lore uh that that you may have heard throughout your life um and uh you said you have a couple of pretty good stories that you'd like to share with me i have two stories and the first one is more about how actual historical events lead to folklore and ghost stories being developed. Ooh, that sounds interesting. And it's mostly, it's going to be 90% history, but you kind of need that to get to the, to the ghost story, which is kind of short, <laughs> but I think it's an interesting story. You know, that's the thing about ghost stories. They don't have to be long to be shocking and scary. Is that the first one you want to lead off with? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that one. It's the longer one. Okay, great. Let's get into it. Okay. So this is the story. And I, I do want to make a brief caveat that I am not a historian. So this is internet research, but it'll give you the gist of what happened historically. And you know what? That's a good point because I've had several people who have made that same disclaimer and it's just good. Uh, it's good protocol for anybody listening to any podcast or any newscast for that matter to do your own research get your own answers and make your own decisions don't listen to what somebody else says and automatically buy into what they're telling you absolutely be critical go to your primary sources all that good stuff um, that being said I, I did go to some primary sources but a lot of it is just sort of internet based research so but nonetheless okay here's my story all right, it's about a man named Marion Brown. So M-A-R-I-O-N Brown, also known as Peg Leg Brown. So he was born in 1873 in, I think it's San Saba, Texas. Not sure the pronunciation. And he was a, a cowboy until he lost his legs jumping, or one leg, jumping trains at the age of 19. And from then on, he wore a wooden prosthetic, which I think was common prosthetic use at the time have to have a wooden leg and it was made of elm and that's how he got his nickname peg leg so marion he wasn't that good of a guy in 1898 he was jailed in georgetown texas for burglary and there was allegations even then that he had killed four men but uh, he escaped jail within one month so he said to take uh, he took a guard's gun 
and he injured a deputy and he allegedly jumped on another train, um, moving freight train and got away. So that's sort of the background from him in the States. Then he arrives in June in 1898 in London, Ontario. So have you've never been to, to Southern Ontario, right? No. No. Okay. So I just, I'm just going to give people a perspective. London, Ontario is two hours west of Toronto and it's about 450,000 people now. Um, back in the 1800s, around then it was about 10,000 people, but it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty happening place. They had a railroad, it was on a river. They had a, a Labatt brewery, which still functions today. Um, so it, it was pretty hopping. So that being said, he arrives in London in June and he is spotted in a, on the railway tracks by a watchman by the name of James Ross. So Ross approaches Brown because he's trespassing and Brown being the bad guy that he is strikes Ross in the head with a club and knocks him unconscious. So he wakes up, gives a description to the police and Brown is pretty conspicuous, right? Like he's only got the one leg and he's got this black felt hat. And so the search begins for Brown and some kids saw him and they tell this constable, his name's Michael Tui, and he's a 39 year old father of three. They tell this constable, Hey, we saw Brown go that way. So, so Tui goes and confronts Pegleg Brown and Brown, he shoots him in the chest. And it said that the first shot hit a silver watch in Michael Tui's breast pocket and saved him, but that the second shot hit him in the forehead and killed him instantly. So there's some debate, right? It's some say the first shot killed him, the autopsy said so, but nonetheless, he shot and killed Michael Tui, or it was alleged. There was no witnesses, but circumstantially, he was seen at the scene of the crime and his black felt hat was next to Constable Tui's body. But Brown being Brown escapes and then a telegraph of him being wanted is sent all over Canada and the US. Um, so he then stops, he's next scene, he stops to eat at a farm <laughs> about an hour west. I guess he got hungry running away. <laughs> so three constables come to the door looking for my, or for, um, sorry, Pegleg Brown. And the farmer's like, yeah, that guy's sitting at my dining room table eating. Uh, and then so a firefight breaks out and one of the, only one of the officers has a gun for some reason. And in trying to shoot uh, Peg Leg Brown, Brown actually shoots the officer, grazes his shirt sleeve, and then the officer runs out of ammunition as Brown takes off to the woods. Then June 29th, so this is like five days after, a $500 reward is issued by the London police for the return of Brown. And then between July and September of that year, 43 false arrests are made on men who had wooden legs all the way from Montreal to Minnesota. <laughs> so that's a, a lot of false arrests. And all of the people arrested were also tramps, which are, uh, if, if people don't know, my understanding of that is men who were out of work, but would ride the rails looking for work. So they weren't homeless per se, they were, you know, going on the rails to look for work. But yeah, so 43 arrests, but uh, Brown is nowhere to be found. But in September, this guy named Marshall Abraham Dilly, <laughs> and I'm not even kidding, Marshall Abraham Dilly is this guy's name. He's a U.S. Marshal. 
he reads about Brown in a detective magazine. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, like it's so, I don't know, it's so very quaint, right? Um, he, he sees Brown at a theater in, and again, my pronunciation, I'm not sure, but Yakima, Washington, two hours east of Seattle, I think. Um, so he, he spots this guy in a theater of all places, but doesn't arrest him for murder because he knows that Brown can fight the extradition to Canada. Okay, so instead of charging him with murder, because if they charge him with murder, he's going to get extradited to Canada, um, or he, he'll, sorry, he'll be able to fight extradition to Canada. So instead, he's charged with an offense that has offensive language, we would consider offensive language now. It's called charge, he's charged with selling liquor to Indians. That language, yeah, uh, it could be construed as offensive language. Um, but why is it offensive to you? Well, because Indians, like when the settlers came over, they thought they found the passage to India, I believe. And that's why they were calling them Indians, but it's not the term that they use for themselves. So it's a term that has been put upon them. Um, and I would describe, or they would self-describe, I believe as indigenous. And from there you'd have in America, perhaps Native Americans, it wouldn't be like, we wouldn't say that here. It would be more by Inuit or Métis or the name of the specific group. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And and I agree. And Native American is, I think, appropriate or at least less offensive to, to the majority of the indigenous people. But I think they would prefer to be um, identified by their tribe name, their formal tribal name. Right, right. Which makes sense. So he gets sent to Vancouver instead. Uh, and in Vancouver, he is charged with the murder of Constable Michael Tuohy. So he is sent back to London, Ontario on the train. And on the way back from Vancouver to London, a detective who was transporting him, and I'm going to quote here, says of Brown, quote, of all the men I have ever handled, Brown is the worst. He is not only possessed of phenomenal strength, but he can talk as smoothly as any gold brick swindler, and at the same time, act like a man who would not do the slightest harm, quote. So I feel like Brown sounds like a sociopath. Okay, so 1899 comes along. He has a trial. There's 80 to 90 witnesses, which is a lot of witnesses, given that there was no firsthand witnesses. But he is nonetheless found guilty of murdering Constable Tui, and he is sentenced to hang on May 17th, 1899. So in Canada at this time, hanging was still a thing and the death penalty was still allowed. It wasn't abolished until 1976. Was that um, for the whole country that the death yeah. penalty was abolished? Yeah. So between March and May of 1899, he's housed in what's called the Middlesex County Courthouse Jail. And um, this building is still in London. It looks like a little castle. And I have actually been in that jail. So the jail is in the basement and it's all concrete and it's cold and the cells are so narrow. All that fits in them is like this tiny little cot and it's very, very claustrophobic. 
so it would not have been a nice place to to hang out and if anyone's curious i have pictures on my uh my website of both the building and the inside of the jail and where's what is how can people find that that is exploration project all one word dot org and it's on a blog post called no grass will grow on my grave so may 17th comes around the date of that he's been sentenced to hang and in this time in Canada, there are no more public hangings. So it's in private. So they erect scaffolding so that people cannot see in the courthouse courtyard. And nonetheless, a, a, large, a large crowd gathers outside. And, and he spends, uh, Brown spends his last hours in prayer with a reverend, said that he makes a confession, but it's never made public. And at 8 a.m. he's hanged by a hangman named John Radcliffe. And at the moment he's hanged, a clap of thunder and a bolt, bolt of lightning strike. And the Reverend shouts out, God forgive us, oh God, forgive our country. So yeah, so I guess at this time, I'm guessing that the death penalty was controversial even at this time. So the legends that have come from this, so he, he dies, he's hanged is that at night in the courthouse, in the jail, you can hear his wooden leg walking up and down the jail. But it's also said that maybe the guards started this rumor <laughs> to tell the guys to be quiet <laughs> at night, get them to sleep, saying, you know, Brown will not rest until you guys go to sleep. Uh, a, mo a little bit more macabre one is that on the anniversary of his hanging, it is said that you can see his body swinging from the hangman's noose on the wall of the courthouse. Would it be like a shadow of his corpse hanging or the actual physical uh, manifestation of his corpse? I think people say that they, like you can see his body wow. sw swinging. Yeah. So that's pretty gross. Yeah. That, that would scare anybody, <laughs> Yeah, I, I would wonder what's happening to my mind. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, but the most, the most enduring one is that it is said that he, this Marion Brown guy, said that no grass will grow on my grave and that will prove my innocence. So it is said that he, he was buried on the property, but it was in an unmarked grave. And it is rumored that no grass ever grew on his grave, but it was kind of proven in 1985, a backhoe operator dug the property up to expand the parking lot and his body was found and they could identify him because he had his missing leg and his body was sent to the university and he was buried in a local church, but his grave is now a parking lot. So does that mean the legend is true that he's innocent i don't know i mean there was no physical witnesses to the to the murder right there was no physical witnesses there was actually a petition by multiple lawyers saying that they felt that he was innocent sent as well he never confessed to the murder then i take it he may have to the reverend he did do a confession but we don't know what the confession was but, but yeah, confession could be anything. It doesn't have to necessarily mean that he confessed to the crime he was accused of, right? 
Correct. And he, I mean, he was a, a criminal, um, but whether he murdered Michael Tui, I, I don't know. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Interesting. So then, and this is still going on. This legend, a uh, woman contacted me, I think through my blog, who was in the area. And she said she grew up hearing that legend. So it's pretty enduring. And I kind of wondered, maybe it's enduring because people do worry, was he innocent? Or maybe it's because it was just so, I don't know, dramatic with the bolt of lightning and the thunderclap. Like that's, that's said to be historical. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and the reverend shouting out, you know, that's all, that's all documented. As I say, according to internet research. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> don't quote me I didn't, you know do my proper research <laughs> I, I guess really the only way to to find out is to go back to uh maybe a, a a copy of the old newspaper from that time there's a book um i want to read um by a woman named victoria purcell who i actually went to the jail with at the time she was with me um and she did a book on this i just haven't read it yet unfortunately in time for this but there's a couple of things that um, stand out to me about society back in those days. And one of them is, it seems like it was kind of simple, kind of easy for criminals to escape from custody. It seems like it happened quite a bit. And the other thing that is really stands out to me is, you know, and it's, it's been over a hundred years since this type of, well, actually, I don't, I don't, I can't say that for sure but it's been a long time since public executions were um, allowed in this country and probably Canada but uh, the fact that people used to stand around in crowds and watch these people being executed that's just so far from the reality we live in today it seems unimaginable that people would do that yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's very shocking, but I think, I don't know. I think our society also hides death a lot now. Oh, agreed very much. I don't know. I, I think if we accepted death and it was a little bit more less sanitized, perhaps if we turn our minds to that, I think we just embrace living a little bit more fully than denying death. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. Well, this is the tale of a place called Spooky Hollow, which has nothing to do with the movie or Headless Horseman. (laughs) I actually grew up with this tale. So it's a local tale that I heard as a teenager. So that's my personal interest in it. So this road is a road that twists and turns between farmland. This farmland is completely rural. And it's in the middle of picture, just cornfields. That's probably the easiest. And there's a river that runs across, like through it basically. So it's very small, but it does go down and then up, which is considered a hill in Southwestern Ontario. Okay. Okay. All right. So this is a local legend and it is sort of a a warning folk tale, Uh, meaning that a lot of folk tales are practiced with the goal of warning adolescents to stay away from certain behavior. 
And on my blog, I also have video, or sorry, on YouTube at Exploration Project, I have video footage of the hollow. Oh, very good. Very cool. So the road goes down into a valley, which, and it definitely has an eerie vibe. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, so the legends are as followed. And so I was told this, you know, as a teenager at bush parties, I don't know if you know what a bush party is. I do not. Okay. Okay. So in Southwestern Ontario, when you're from a small town or you're from a rural town, you just, you go to somebody's farmland and you light a bonfire and you drink and it's called a bush party. Okay. Okay. I was told this at bush parties. All right. So in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was this traveling salesman and he was a peddler. He had his wares on his back, a little backpack as they did. And he was looking for a place to stay. So he asked this nice family in Spooky Hollow for some respite and they agree, but he vanishes and he's never to be seen from again. But the legend is that the house could be seen having black soot coming from the chimney for many, many days after. And in another version, there was a hotel at the edge of the hollow, which was probably unlikely, but nonetheless, there was a hotel and the peddler stayed there because again, he was out in the woods, traveling from town to town, needed a place to stay, but he was murdered and his body was burned in or buried in the basement. And he became a very vengeful spirit and he burned the hotel down. So now it is said that the peddler haunts the road. He walks up and down the road with his backpack, wears, he's sort of jangling, goes up and down the road. And on Halloween, it's said that if you go there at midnight and you light a match or a candle, you will hear him scream and see him. So that is the story of Spooky Hollow. Good one. It's kind of creepy, you know, when you're a kid and then you go to this place and it's got an eerie vibe. You're kind of, you know, looking around. <laughs> What's funny, though, is um, I, I don't know if this is true for all kids, but when I was a kid, if I had heard that story, I would have been spending the night at that place and trying <laughs> to find that that ghost. You would have been lighting the match. At oh, yeah, I would have been lighting the match to, to see what happened. Yeah, I think that's a common theme in folklore is to light a match at midnight. Oh, really? I've heard that in other stories. There's a story of called um, the Screaming Tunnel, which is in the Niagara region of Ontario. And it's this spooky old uh, railway tunnel. It's really cool. And it's said that uh, this is this is really grotesque, but a father burns his daughter alive in the tunnel. Yeah, really. That that one's really dark, but that if you light a match at midnight, same thing, you'll hear her scream. So it's like a motif. I, I'm not sure what that's about, mm. um, but it's a motif. Um, but I think this folklore is sort of telling adolescents, like, listen, don't, don't leave the safety of your community. Don't trust strangers, sort of like stranger danger. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, don't always expect strangers to be kind. And I, I think there's some wisdom in that. Like if you're going out into the world as a young person, you know, you, you need to be a little bit aware and wary or else, you know, you might end up being a peddler ghost <laughs> haunting a hollow for the rest of your years. It's not ideal. 
I think you're right. I think a lot of those those myths and legends that are told by passed down from generation to generation, it's a warning to keep kids in line. Yeah. Like same with the boogeyman. Yeah. Right. Boogeyman will get you. Um, but it's actually a really nice place. It's got like a nature sanctuary there. <laughs> so there's a nice little trail you can hike there. Nice. And you yeah. said there's, there's a video of it on YouTube. Yeah. Just me telling the story. Oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. But driving like, well, I had my, I wasn't, I was safely driving down <laughs> and recording, but yes. So it's pretty, it's still pretty creepy there, low light. Like when I go hiking there, I get creeped out. Really? Yeah, it's got a weird vibe. And I, I really want to know why it's named Spooky Hollow. Like, did people just get that vibe and name? Because the, the name of the road is Spooky Hollow. Like, there's a sign. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. What do you, how do you feel about the idea that humans have a sixth sense that can sense danger or unexplainable activity that you can't see with your eyes? Yeah, I think we, we definitely do. Um, I, th I think that we process things faster than we can consciously state what we're processing and that we may never know what we're processing. So it's sort of like, sub I don't know if that subliminal or subconscious is the, the right term. Yeah. Yeah. Because your subconscious is so much more aware. Yes. Yeah. So I definitely believe in a sixth sense, whether I believe it's supernatural I'm more on the side of, I don't think we've explained it yet. Like there was this one, I remember reading this one thing about these people and there was numerous ghost sightings and, and numerous supernatural activity in this one. I think it was like a, like a little, I don't know, like steps down into like a courtyard type thing. Again, don't quote me because it was so long ago that I read that, but basically what they found out by doing some scientific research was that people were hearing things at a pitch, but like it wasn't cognizant, hmm. but it still bothered them so much that they interpreted it as supernatural, but they measured it as they could hear it, I guess, subconsciously or their body registered it, which I find fascinating. Uh, yeah, and it is uh, it is proven that sound waves do affect you your body physically, whether you can hear them or not. Okay, yeah, yeah, but it's interesting to me that 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 went into, and so I saw a ghost because they couldn't they couldn't explain the unsettled feeling. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, like culturally, how do we how do we deal with our unsettled feelings, and what what do we what do we project from that? Now, I asked you last time if you'd ever experienced anything weird. I was kind of talking about Bigfoot. I wanted to find <laughs> out if you ever run into a big hairy creature out in the wilderness somewhere. Just my dogs. <laughs> but have, have you ever, whether you were out hiking or, you know, in the city somewhere, maybe uh, you used to go to old abandonments, right, and visit yeah locations that were would be considered urbex more urban exploration yeah definitely um did you ever experience anything weird like that had that feeling that you might that you experienced at spooky hollow 
Um, oh, well, I mean, I've definitely had my hackles up <laughs> in different places. I, I can't, none of them, nothing's coming back to me about where, but definitely on hikes in the woods, I've, I've gotten that feeling. I remember one time in, in, on the Bruce trail, it was getting kind of dark and I don't know. I felt like I was being watched, mm. but that could be coyote. I, I do explain it, but I felt like I was being watched and I never hiked so fast in my life. <laughs> you know, that is your, um, your analytical mind trying to protect your, uh, your sanity, I think. Well, that's it. Like, there's no protection. Like, what do you do? You know? So it's like, oh, that's a coyote. Okay. No yeah. problem. <laughs> So you just yeah. booked it out of there and, and didn't even look back to see if something was behind you, huh? Oh, I looked back. Oh, <laughs> did you see anything? No, but wow. it was pretty, it was getting pretty dark. Yeah. And it was very rocky and it was like, I just, I, I didn't know I had that capacity to hoof it, but I did. <laughs> was it part, partly adrenaline? Yeah. Yeah. It was just pure fear. Wow. Yeah, I got spooked. I got spooked on that hike for sure. Um, by what? I don't know, right? Like I, I it could have been my mind, it could have been supernatural, it could have been a coyote, it could have been a human. I don't know. But see, I, I think coyotes I, I don't know if coyotes would stalk a human like that. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Coyotes are more fearful of humans than anything. They'll run In the fact, other direction. Yeah, I'm gonna say hundred percent no. <laughs> And, and if it was a, um, what, what do they call the animals that the predators prey on? Uh, uh, like rabbits and... Um, herbivores? Well, I think they call them prey animals. If it was prey. a prey animal. Just prey, yeah. Yeah, it, it more than likely would have revealed itself by trying to get away. Yeah, probably jump. So you, you would have noticed a movement or something. Yeah. But if yeah, something was hiding and... And what, what's even creepier than a Bigfoot was if it was some weird human out there. <laughs> well, I do carry a knife. Okay, good. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you bet I had it out. <laughs> I mean, safely in case I fell, I didn't want to fall on my knife, but you know, you know, um, oh yeah, yeah. There, yeah, so there's definitely been moments like that. I think this, the spookiest thing or the weirdest thing that ever happened to me was um, uh, sleep paralysis. Have you heard of this? Yes. Okay. Have, have we talked about this? No. No. Okay. Maybe, so, but I don't remember specifically. But okay. go ahead. I, I do want to hear this. Okay. So first year university, I was in a room with another girl. We actually had bunk beds because it was a very small room. And so I'm on the top bunk bed. And I'm lying on my back and all of a sudden I wake up and I'm completely paralyzed and I'm trying to scream and I can't scream and I can't move my arms or my legs. And all I could think of what the, was that there was a demon sitting on my chest. And did you, it was, did you see it or was no, it just, just a thought that you were having? It was a presence. It wasn't a thought. It was a presence. And it was absolutely terrifying. And I remember my roommate, <laughs> she had a glow in the dark cross of Jesus Christ <laughs> on the, on the uh, I don't know, like the desk. 
And I'm not, I'm actually not Christian, but she was Christian, had this glow in the dark crucifix. And I just remember like, I know I'm not Christian, but Jesus helped me. <laughs> and, and then I snapped out of it. But wow. then later, because I was taking psychology, I read in my psychology book that I had experienced sleep paralysis. And it was very, very common to have the impression that a demon was sitting on your chest. Like it was that exact impression. So it was really weird. And even now, if I sleep on my back, I'll get sleep paralysis. So I just, um, but I can feel it coming now mm -hmm. and it's, it's unpleasant. So I just don't sleep on my back. Wow. So have, have you had that more than once? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've had it a few times and you oh, just wow. can't move like you're paralyzed. It's very creepy. But you can open your eyes and look around. Yeah. So you're open, like you're opening your eyes, you're looking around, you can see everything, but, and you try to scream because you're terrified, but you can't scream. So it's, it's very unsettling. <laughs> but it only happens to you when you're on your back. Yeah. I, it probably has something to do with blood pressure. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It only happens on my back. Wow. Yeah. So here's a, um, I don't know if this is a, a myth or just a, something, but I, I heard recently that if you sleep with your head, um, like in the, in the pathway between a window or two openings, a window and a door or two doorways or two windows, if your okay. head is between the, the, the path is in the pathway of the, of the two portals or the two openings that you, um, are basically in the pathway of supernatural entities and mm -hmm. that could lead to this experience of sleep paralysis. Really? That's yeah. interesting. So in that room, I was not, it, I was further back, but that that's interesting. Yeah. I, I love all that type of like folklore around that type of stuff. So here's the, um, here's the tie in to, my grandmother's death. Okay. And uh, I just found this out, man. This is so weird. Uh, while I was doing these uh, these interviews for this Halloween special, I was talking to J. Edward Neal. And I, I told him about this dream that I had about my grandmother when I was about 16. And the dream was so real, so profound that it compelled me to drive from Backville where I was living at the age of 16, drove to Sacramento to the house that I lived in as a, as a, I don't know, seven or eight year old, nine year old kid. Okay. And that was the house that my grandmother had lived in before she died. So that was the last house that she occupied. She didn't die in the house, but that was the last house that she lived in. Right. And my family still owned that house. It was, uh, it was belonged to my aunt, which was my grandmother's sister and my aunt's children, uh, who are my cousins and they're the same age as my mom. They owned that property at that time. So I drove up there to talk to them and see if they had an answer because in the dream, my grandmother tells me this message and it was beware of the interim. Okay. And it was kind of ominous like that. Of the what? Of the internal? The interim. 
Oh, interim. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't know what that word meant. So yeah. I drove all the way to Sacramento to find out, you know, for one, because that house was in my dream. I, that's where my grandmother visited me was in that house. Right. So I went to that house, talked with my cousins, and I was pretty upset by the time I got there, man, I was still freaked out. Yeah. Um, and I, I was talking to my, my cousins. I told them about the dream and I asked them what that meant. What's an interim? And nobody's ever been able to like really explain to me what that is. And I looked it up and it means the in the middle or the in between. Yeah. And so the other day when I was here with my family, my daughter and her friend was over and her friend was talking about an experience that he had where he had sleep paralysis. Hmm. Wow. And, weird. Okay. And he, he, he told me, the story of what I just told you that he, he was, uh, I think it was a Japanese legend that if you sleep with your head between two portals, window, door, two doors or two windows, if you sleep with your head in, in that area, um, that you'll have bad dreams, you know, or you're, you're going to be in the way of the, the spirits moving uh, through that area. And he said, I don't know what that's called. And my daughter goes, oh, the in-between? You mean in-between? And I was like, what? You're like, what are like, you going to say? Right now, man. <laughs> so oh. it, it blew my mind. Freaked you and out. It, it answered the question for me that I've had since I was 16 of what is, what was my grandmother trying to tell me when she told me to beware the interim? Yeah. And now I think I have the answer to that. And beware the, that's wild. Yeah. You know, where I kind of went with that was that maybe your grandma, because when did you have that dream? Like how long after she died? Years. I was uh, seven or eight years old when she died. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was, okay. So I was kind of going with, well, maybe she wasn't in the place where she needed to be yet. And she was in the interim. Oh, no. I, I think she came back and visited me. And I, visited I, you. I think there is yeah. something to spirits coming into this world for certain reasons it's really interesting yeah, yeah. wow well that's a cool story <laughs> yeah kind of yeah. come around <laughs> so well, many years was, later it was so real that's the thing that that really it stuck with me and that message she gave me was so profound that i it, i have remembered that to this day and i've always been curious like what did she mean about beware of the interim or beware of the in-between what yeah. Yeah. Don't sleep between two portals. <laughs> yeah. Or like beware of those. Um, I've been reading a lot of folklore about what is it called? Liminal states. Like, you know how they say on certain occasions, the veil between the dead and the living is thinned. Oh, yeah. That, it's exactly what Halloween is. Yeah. It's all about. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, beware of the in-between those, those states where things can maybe get a little spooky. Oh, now you got me thinking. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause uh, on another episode of this Halloween special, I was talking with Andy Usry and he and I were talking about the origins of Halloween and how it began back in the Celtic yeah, culture. The, what's it called? Suwain Su or? Well, Swain? yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, in English, it's pronounced Sam Hain. Sam Hain, yeah. yeah. I forget how it's 
proper, but yeah, the, Sam yeah, Hain. the proper pronunciation. I don't know. I can't pronounce. Yeah, it. I mean either. I usually say Sam Hain because I'm English, but I don't know. But you're absolutely right because it's the dead center between the winter solstice and the um, fall equinox. Right. It's the 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 Halloween or the in between. Yeah, the in between. Holy crap. Oh my god. Have you seen what's that show with the in between with the kids? Oh strange. You know uh yeah, stranger things. The yeah, in between. Is that what they call it? They call it the in between. I thought it was the upside down place. Oh, maybe it was the upside down. <laughs> yeah, the upside down. That's what it's called. <laughs> okay. Now I'm just me. I'm reaching. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, the liminal state, like those times when another one is apparently in May. I was hearing it's, I think it's called Valspurgas Day, which is really? German. <laughs> Didn't know about that one. I, yeah, I, I don't know much about it, but I was just briefly kind of reading about that. I might have to dig that one up because uh, I, I did some research about Halloween, the origins and stuff for this special. Cause I wanted to, if somebody brought it up, I at least wanted a, a working knowledge. So what about uh, you? Like, have you had a supernatural experience? Uh, no, just that one. The one where, where my grandmother visited me when I was right. sleeping. Um, I did have another weird thing that happened, but I think it was more imagination when I was a kid. I was actually, I was living in that same house. It's weird. Yeah. I, when I was living in the same house and it was after my grandmother had died and I got up in the middle of the night. It was pitch black. And we had at the end of the hallway, which was a really short hallway. But at the end of this hallway, the, we had this um, long heating unit. I, I don't know exactly what it's called. But the, the heating unit was in the wall. Like a radiator? Like, mm, uh, no, but it, yeah. But when you say radiator, I'm thinking like the, the old... 1800s kind of thing yes yes um no this was like more like a um it had the vents uh you know it, it was just a really tall it was about four or five feet tall and it went from almost like the the floor to about four four feet high okay and it, it was our i think it was our heater unit but i walked out of my bedroom in the middle of the night and I saw something. I don't know if it was an imagine, mm. imaginary, like a trick of the light or something, but I saw it was like a, a like a foggy, misty, shapeless form, in, oh, right God. right in front of that uh, in front of that heater. Really? Oh, how old were you? <laughs> I was like probably <laughs> like eight or nine, eight or nine. Oh, you were older. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's spooky. Yeah. It, it, but see, I, I think I was kind of foggy asleep, you know, I was, I was still waking up. So when I saw it, I, you I were in sure the in between. Maybe. Yeah. I was in the in between. Right. Like between that, asleep and awake, right? Asleep and awake. And some weird stuff happens there too. Yeah. And I just remembered <laughs> another this one's even freakier. Uh, okay, this one happened when I was, again, I was sleeping and I woke up. Um, this time I was at my dad's house and 
we had this dresser that was probably again about four feet high and it was at the foot of my bed so if I sat up I would look straight at that dresser mm -hmm. well this night and at this time I was probably six or seven maybe eight years old at this time I, I, I looked up and I see these three heads oh like, like they were they were see-through they weren't solid they were see-through and it looked like they were freaking yelling at me oh my but god they, they had an angry expression on their face and their mouths were moving that's it, way worse than sleep paralysis i, I couldn't hear it yeah because i <laughs> sat up i actually sat up and i was like seeing it with my eyes i've totally forgot about that until right now oh my god um, and it's not like i have never shared that story before i have shared that story but not on this podcast yeah but now you're getting into my ghost stories and i totally forgot about those i didn't i yeah. wasn't even thinking about what ghost stories i had that i could share but there you go oh for sure yeah that's that, that's that one scared creepy. me so bad i had to turn on oh and <laughs> it didn't happen only once it happened oh like three, God. four nights in a row. <laughs> and oh, it, that's it, interesting. Yeah, it was really unnerving, man. And I went into the bathroom each night. I go in the bathroom, turn the bathroom light on and stay in there. Hmm. Uh, you know, eventually I probably found my way back to bed and went back to sleep, woke up the next morning. But God, yeah, that happened poor, three or four nights in a row. Poor little Andrew. <laughs> oh, boy, it was scary. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to, when I was little, my parents told me that when I was around three, I had a phase where I was having such severe nightmares that I would get up and I would bang on the door to try and get out, like the front door of my home. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And my mom was starting to get quite concerned, but they never did like figure out what that was about. I don't, I don't know if it, like my brother's only 14 months younger than me, so I don't know like, I don't know, like somebody said, well, maybe it was the birth of your sibling and it caused a lot of stress, which can cause, you know, nightmares. But I don't know, by that time he would have already been in my life. So I don't know, you know, but it's really weird. eh? So, and you have no memory of that whatsoever? No, like I was little, like two or three. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no. Wow. Yeah creepy imagine that a little kid <laughs> thank god your parents the locked the door let, right let me out <laughs> yeah if your parents hadn't locked the door you might have gotten out right well they were worried i was going to fall down the stairs because we had stairs in our home hmm. but yeah yeah crazy stories yeah good so yeah. we started out with some legends and lore and got into some real ghost stories some personal ghost stories some legit well i didn't really have ghost stories but i just had creepy feelings and weird sleep incidents <laughs> don't minimize so, it you're as haunted well, as anybody else come on <laughs> you know what i think you're right i think um now i'm gonna need a water um i think i do like i'm very definitely rationalize away anything supernatural and um so i think i'm like probably less prone to see something because i don't like i kind of want to see something because i'm yeah. curious mm -hmm. but at the same time i'm very my rational mind takes over very very quickly um yeah i think a lot of people do that and it's a um uh, a 
what is that a a protection mechanism mm-hmm. you know a guard that uh <clears throat> our subconscious mind is so fragile mm-hmm. that if uh or actually i guess it would be our conscious mind is so fragile that if we yes. weren't able to rationalize things that we see we'd go insane yeah so maybe it's a strength and i <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but it is the whole subject is is very interesting so by the time this is done and finished i think i have 12 recordings of people sharing different stories different experiences different oh legends. that's fun yeah that's yeah. so cool that'll be like a fun compilation of of everyone's stories yeah yeah that's cool but i'm totally in the mood for a horror movie now you know what there's a, a movie that i've been wanting to watch and i cannot remember what the heck it is right now what movie would you um like to watch or what's your favorite horror movie I love The Exorcist. Mm, that's a scary I, one, man. Just, that's still scary. Oh, I just love it. Like, I, it's kind of, you know, a little bit, uh, some of the anime, like the scenes are kind of cheese now, mm-hmm. but the story is still really good. And the music is incredible. And the atmosphere shots. Oh, so good. It's a, uh, it's definitely, a, like you said, a, um, did you call it a psychological thriller? Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely that. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about them making uh, or remaking the movie? Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's oh. coming out with a remake of it. No, that's cool. I'll watch it. It could be good. Yeah. I mean, sure. They're going to definitely upgrade the uh, the visuals on it. No yeah. Doubt. Yeah. It could be. I mean, it's been a long time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what was that? 70 something? Right. Yeah. It was back in the right. same. That's yeah, based on a true story. Yeah. See, that's the weird, like the history of exorcisms is creepy too, right? Yeah, for sure. So yeah. That'll be yeah, a so, topic for another episode. Yeah. Cause I think we can yeah. talk about that for an hour at least. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but have you seen, okay. This, the most disturbing psychological film I would. Okay. I'm almost like recommending it and also not recommending it because it is it is absolutely horrifying like from a psychological perspective mm-hmm. is called martyrs it's a french no, film haven't seen it don't okay i won't because <laughs> <laughs> it'll mess you up man <laughs> so it's but it's a psychological thriller it's not really a, a gory hack and slash film it's not, it, it gets gory, but it's not a hack and slash. It's, uh, it's yeah, just about a killer. Okay. When, when you said, uh, you know, you said a, a disturbing film, what went through my mind was uh, Seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one with Brad yeah. Pitt, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, that's, that that's one that stood out for me. Very disturbing, but Martyrs got that beat, man. Really? Oh, my God god like i'm i'm haunted by it so it's 2008 okay here here's the description two young women who were both victims of abuse as children embark on a bloody quest for revenge only to find themselves plunged into a living hell of depravity yeah that sounds pretty bad it's bad that sounds pretty bad <laughs> it's really bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> why do people come up with this stuff man right like the minds of that oh, yeah uh, I, I guess even more of a to uh pause it is what do people see and going to watch these kind of films man well why did i watch this i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well any movie that has the word depravity in the description i'm probably going to steer clear of <laughs> yeah it, it was really it was something yeah yeah but that's the that's the most haunting film i've ever seen um not okay the most so enjoyable. heather from exploration project recommends highly recommends <laughs> Five stars out of five. <laughs> Go see Martyrs. Right? Go see Martyrs. And then you're going to charge me for your therapy expenses after. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, wow, where was the trigger warning on that? <laughs> it's brutal. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I probably won't watch that. Okay. Yeah. It's again, it's like literally one I would say I recommend it and I do not recommend it. Like, <laughs> yeah crazy so <laughs> yeah well i i think that's a pretty good place to leave it what do you think i think so <laughs> okay. well, is there anything else that you would like to discuss any new projects that you're working on right now you'd like to let people know about i'm doing myth mondays and basically i take a piece of folklore it's more folklore not myth but i take a piece of folklore and usually it's related to nature and i just talk about it for a couple minutes and so i'm having fun with that that's all videos shared on twitter and instagram and eventually i'll put them on my youtube channel as well and that's about it because i'm going to school so that's all i can manage that's enough yeah that's a lot yeah myth monday i think that's a cool little tag yeah um, yeah. You know, is it is it something that you would encourage other people to kind of contribute to or is Hey, it... sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Always. And if people have something they want me to cover, I'm happy to do that. As long oh, as good. I say it's related. Yeah. As long as it's related to nature, I would say that would be my my requirement. Um somehow. <laughs> so that can be pretty broad. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like my podcast. You know, it's a Cold War podcast, but I don't always talk about the cold war quote unquote. yeah 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 for sure uh yeah definitely La i noticed last week i i hashtag it myth non-day <laughs> <laughs> that was because i was kind of in a hurry because i had a test anyway <laughs> i was like wow okay <laughs> you know what a, a a cool thing for you to think about is where what is the origins of the um the uh name for monday okay uh, yeah i don't i don't know do you know well i know it has something to do with norse legends norse gods oh because okay. all the all the days were named after norse gods wednesday oh, is odin's day thursday is thor's day friday is freya day or you know uh, yeah but th yeah they were originally named after the norse gods i don't know who monday would have been named after or tuesday or wednesday for, or wednesday was odin's day i don't know like mars is that's a roman god right monday mars because there's a uh, roman or greek yeah yeah but not norse but yeah i don't know i don't know my norse gods my husband would he did a like a, a minor in this in university <laughs> oh really cool yeah yeah uh yeah i don't know well there you go for myth monday figure out um yeah 
that's cool. Thank you. You're welcome. You're well, thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you for doing yeah. that. I look forward to seeing that one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, Heather. Well, did you want to tell uh, people how to how to get in contact with you? It's uh, sure. It, it's not really hard. Anybody who knows you is familiar yeah. with your your brand. So, but go ahead and tell people how to reach out to you. Yeah. So I am Exploration Project on Instagram, and I am at exploration proj so just p-r-o-j at that's twitter and then i'm exploration project on youtube and my website is exploration project all one word dot org on the internet <laughs> very cool very good yeah and uh, i definitely recommend anybody to check out your the the work that you're doing because all the stuff you share is always positive very uplifting uh, and interesting, educational too. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely aim for that. Yes. Well, you so, hit that mark. Thank you. I won't be talking about martyrs in a blog post. <laughs> for sure. Oh, well, this is this is different. This is, this, yeah. This is a special. Oh <laughs> well, special. and and it ties in what what I used to do more of. So I'm still I still have those threads throughout of spooky stuff. I I do enjoy it. That's cool. Uh, so, Heather, thanks for coming on and sharing your stories with Dead Hand Radio for this Halloween special. I, I really, truly do appreciate you coming on and joining me for this. I am more than happy to come on and am always honored to be a guest. Awesome. Well, then uh, we'll definitely look forward to having you on again in the future. All right. It was fun. 